0: What a warm, fuzzy sermon or scripture lesson for Father's Day, amen? This, growing up, I, and I guess I still am a daddy's girl. I was the firstborn, my dad, my mom and my brother would even tell me, you know, go ask your dad because he's going to let you do it. You know, go ask him if we can do this because of course he's going to say yes to you. I see some heads nodding. It seems to be a, a similar occurrence around here. But one of my favorite stories that my dad taught me was, was this story. Of course, I learned it in Sunday school. But, but even if you aren't familiar with Sunday school, if it wasn't a home thing for you, many of us know the idea or the story behind David and Goliath. David, before this scripture we get, he had just been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king. And in between these readings, we get today um, David's anointing as the next king, he's now been recruited into the, the because, because he can play the harp. He's been recruited to offer comfort in the king's court. Now understand that King Saul had no idea that he was to be his successor. But today, as we are looking at the passage in which we are given, and even as we celebrate Father's Day this day, we have to realize that when David approaches this situation, when he approaches after 40 days, it's been happening, you can find in other scripture, when he approaches the field and he sees what has taken place and he volunteers, it's not something that he has thought about. It's new to him. It's something that he's facing at this moment. You see, we get this idea that that it's just a big guy. But I want to share with you that Goliath was no ordinary big guy. We've seen big guys, right? You, there's big guys around. But Goliath, scripture tells us it was around six cubics and a span. So anybody do that math? No? Okay. Um, that's about nine feet how about that for basketball, right? <laughs> Standing there, and then with his arms high, I mean, everybody would, but he, he's, he's large. But other than his size, now let's talk about what Goliath had on. Goliath had on this, this armor made of bronze that was shining in the light, but the armor alone could have been 175 to 200 pounds. He also had a helmet made of bronze, bronze leggings. He carried a spear that the spearhead is around twenty to twenty-five pounds. And then, in addition to that, did you hear this in the scripture? There was a shield carrier that went before him, human size, to carry the shield. All of this is what David is looking down upon and seeing. And day after day, Goliath came and says, "Bring me a man." send me someone to fight this battle. Instead of it being a lot of bloodshed, it ended up being one-on-one. And whoever won, that army won the victory. So pause for a moment and just imagine this image. Imagine how frightening it would be to take on such a giant— Clearly, the odds were stacked against anyone who was foolish enough to face him in battle. And no one wanted to. No one volunteered until David showed up. But you know the rest of the story. David volunteered not only to fight the giant, but to everyone's surprise, he kills Goliath. Kills him. There's some tremendous insight that we can learn from David's encounter with Goliath. But before we get into that, I want to stop for a moment and just define the word giant. I was overhearing a story recently of someone talking about being in a nursing home and and the conversations that take place in there. And I want to share a few of these. One woman said, my arms are so weak, I can hardly lift this cup of coffee. After vacation Bible school this week and all the arm motions, I could barely lift my own arm, so I kind of understand that a little bit. But another one said in the nursing home, I know my, my cataracts are so bad, I, I can't even see my coffee. Another replied that I, I can't turn my head because of the arthritis in my neck. And another one said, my blood pressure pills just, just make me dizzy. And it goes on and on. And finally, one guy said, I guess that's the price we pay for getting old. And there's a general general agreement and a silence. And finally, one woman said, Well, it's not that bad. Thank God we can all still drive. (laughs) From childhood bullies to physical ailments... From financial pressures to job security, from retirement to to parenting teenagers, from heartbreak to loneliness, each of us at some point will face a person or a thing that will look like a mountain before us, and it will cause us to feel small in the face of it. My definition of giant this morning is a person or a thing of great size that stands in your way of fulfilling God's purpose. I want you to do that. A person or a thing of great size that stands in your way of fulfilling God's purpose. Now, I'm not good at making up definitions, so of course I go to Webster and see what Master Webster has to tell us, right? And so Webster's Dictionary, the first definition comes from Greek mythology, and it is this, any of a race of huge beings of human form who war with the gods, any race of huge beings of human form who war with the gods. Isn't it interesting that even Greek mythology recognizes the battle between gods and giants? In my life, I've I've tried to live an example and follow after Christ. But one thing being true over and over and over again is there always seems to be a giant in the way something or someone that is trying to prevent me from fulfilling God's purpose. Whether I have a dream and there's someone to tell me that it can't be done, or I'm trying to be like Jesus and then there's that temptation that always creeps its way in. There are giants looming at every corner standing in the way of of me becoming the person or accomplishing the things that God desires of me. And I know I'm not alone in this. Each of us faces giants. We don't all share the same giant, but we can share the same principles that David used to overcome this Goliath. I think in my recent history, if I'm looking at the the most recent giant that I had to face was probably about maybe five and, a half, five and a few months, five years and a few months ago. Jonathan and I had just come to visit Pittman Park. He was about to be appointed here. We visited my churches, saw our house. We were really excited. We go out on the boat with his parents the next day and that evening, Jonathan ends up in the hospital at Memorial Medical Center with a tumor in his brain. Within 20 minutes of arrival, he's now in neuro ICU. But the doctors have a plan. So that wasn't my giant, because the doctors have a plan. We can do this one step at a time, right? We go, and a few days later, he has brain surgery, and he remembers me. That was a good thing. Um <laughs> And so then we go home, but we have to stay local. So that's okay. Jonathan's parents were Richmond Hill. But a few days after that, he feels sick again. We go back to the hospital and they take out his gallbladder. That's okay. I know a lot of people that don't have gallbladders. Everything's okay. You can deal without that, right? God just gave it for decoration. I don't know. Maybe it helps. But they take it out and we get to go home again that same day. We're home, we've gotten showers because when you leave the hospital, a shower's necessary, right? So we get in a shower and wear our pajamas and I look at him and he's flushed and I take his temperature and we immediately go back to Memorial Medical Center that same day. And it was at that moment that I began to face my biggest giant. Jonathan was diagnosed with blood clots the size of grapefruit in both lungs. The doctor told him not to move for fear of him dying right there. Becoming a widow. I have a a 14 month old little girl. We're supposed to be moving. I've got to pack a house. Everything and anything that could creep its way into that darkness did. And I began to go deeper and deeper into that place where it's not pleasant. You ever been there? That darkness. That giant that is right in front of you. I'm going to be a widow. And I remember thinking, I remember this being my thought process. How in the world am I going to pastor not just one, but two churches as a single mother? I'm just going to have to quit and go move home with my parents. That I remember some of the things that David can teach us. I didn't remember it all then, but in retrospect now, when I look back, David's example can teach us a lot. You see, some of the principles that David learned is that the giants do not make us or break us. They simply show us who we already are. Do you hear that? The giants, the the problems, the the troubles we face, they don't make us or break us. They're going to show us who we are. David wasn't a hero because of that moment. It just showed the hero inside of him. The thing about giants is we don't have an opportunity to become something that we aren't already when we face a giant. It just pulls out what's inside of us. And what's inside of me was fear. I was afraid. But I also knew that I couldn't let my husband see it. So there's a boldness that kind of strengthens your spine. we begin to prepare and to fight and realizing that, that victories are not won on the field. Those that have the sports metaphors, victories are won in the training room. And it's at that moment where I'm starting to realize that I can overcome this. Some of the things that my dad had taught me my dad was a great example in my life, but, but memorizing Scripture was one of the things that we would always challenge each other with. And I know it's the, the cookie-cutter, go-to Christian memory verse, but, but I trusted and rested my spirit in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can get through this. I can be a mom. I can, I can minister to my husband in this time of darkness. I can still serve God. Because all those people that had told me, well, when you get married, when you have babies, you'll let your husband do that. That was flooding in. And as you can see, God is still encouraging me and pushing me. And maybe after today, you may say, Stephanie, you should just sit down. But God is still telling me to keep going. When you face those giants, it's the victories in which you are preparing now on the battlefield of life. It's the small things. I have a two-year-old. We have daily battles in our life, but God is trusting and teaching and working within us, and he's doing the same in you. But the one thing that I did learn from David that I didn't really like is he had to do it on his own, The script, the the title that I titled this sermon was Bring Me a Man. Not saying a man can do it. I'm not going that route, okay? But bring me a man. I want to change it and not just one person. Bring me a church. Bring me the body of Christ. When Jonathan was having his brain surgery, I don't know if you're familiar with Memorial, we had to move from the surgery center area waiting room. They put us down in the heart, you know, because we had 45 people there praying with me and him. The church was there for us. When you face giants, we're not doing this alone. We're not asking for for you to stand up by yourself with somebody else's armor. No, stand confident in who God made you, the skills and the gifts and graces that he's enabled you. And you stand there with the body of believers and you walk down the mountain together facing that giant. I know the community in Charleston right now is facing and reeling and dealing with the mountain before them that looks so bleak and dark. But I've also seen a community come together no matter what they look like and stand with each other. David was powerful. He wasn't the underdog in this because David looked out and he didn't just see the giant because in his eyes, his giant was small compared to the God he served. And it's the same for us. One of the songs our kids sang this week is my God is big. My God is strong. My God is super wonderful. Did you hear them? They're doing this motion. I came up with it, but it was still funny watching them do it. But that's the same. And just as we're encouraging them and lifting them and uniting them together, we're doing the same in our lives. Don't be alone in this world. Live life together. Be strong in who you are. But face those giants with others. I couldn't have done it alone. The community in Statesboro was praying mightily in that time. And you always question after, it's, after the situation is resolved, when Jonathan was finally on the men, you always question why. Why did we go through this? But you know what? I think we go through it so then we can turn or walk with someone else through the same battles. It was not three months later that a church member comes up to me because her seven year old boy had the same type of tumor that Jonathan had. And I was able to walk with her step by step. Thankfully, she didn't have the gallbladder and the blood clot thing to go along with it, but God is faithful. God is big and bold and powerful and he's bigger than any giant, any mountain, any any disaster that we face because God is gonna show himself to us. And so I want you to realize that as we go into this world, knowing that we're gonna face some battles, go with a boldness of faith working and trusting in the daily battles that when the giant shows that you have a faith in God that is bigger than anything that you will experience. But deviating a little bit from what David's story tells us, don't just go alone. Go with the power and the support and the love of the body of Christ. We're not called to be alone. May we serve and give because when we face our giant, we may be turning around the next day and helping someone else. May God's grace be applied to the hearing of this word today. Will you join me as we pray? God of grace and God of mercy, fill us now. Lord, many of us in this moment, as we speak, as we pray, are facing a giant that is before us. Something that brings us to that place of desperation and dark, and we can't see the light. God, give us your love. Shine your light in the darkness. God, lift us that as we are bold with each other, that we would stand firm for you, not letting injustice of the world take over, but knowing that God is ever faithful, ever strong, and you are making a way in our lives and in this world that your kingdom would be here on earth just as it is in heaven. Guide us, Lord, to serve you to reach our hands out to each other and walk step by step in the battles of life that we would trust in you. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise this day, almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray.